Hey, welcome to the True Crime Cafe with your True Crime Baristas. I'm Alana. I'm Angie. I'm Becky. And we get to hear from Becky today. Yes, you do. And I apologize for being a little gravelly. My husband decided let's play sickness and health because, you know, you take someone for sickness and health. <laughs> and he gave me his cold. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for that richer or poorer thing. We've already done the poorer. I'm ready to do. For the That's right. Now. Right. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> Check off all the other boxes. Let's get some water numbers now. You know, so. Right. So, mm-hmm. so I have a tale today that comes from Canada, and I hope Alana doesn't hate me too much. All right. We'll see how that, that... <laughs> it has a it has a positive ending. Good. So, have you ever heard of the Highway of Tears? Yes. Mm, I don't think I have. I've heard of the Trail of okay. Tears. Mm-mm. Yeah, this is a little different. This is a part. It's a 450 mile stretch of. Highway 16, which is part of the Trans-Canada Highway that runs pretty much horizontally across Western Canada and British Columbia. And this stretch of highway is full of billboards of missing people. And they go back to like 1970, like the missing people. Mm -hmm. The phrase was coined during a vigil held in Terrace, British Columbia in 1998 by Florence Nazil. I, you know, I'm going to main cold names. Works so for me. I'll just blame it on the, I'm going to blame it on the cold. Right. <laughs> we'll, blame my hus- we'll blame my husband. So. It's all Jimmy's fault. It is. So she was thinking of the victim's families crying over their loved ones. And that's how she came up with the name. So it's also important to note that this stretch of highway has been the location of missing and murdered indigenous women. And those also go back to 1970. And there's a disproportionately high number of indigenous women on this list of victims. Okay. So one family of one of these missing people, their nightmare started at home where they assumed they were safe because we all think we're safe in our own homes, right? You would think. Like, you know, I have ADT. I think I'm safe, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except for my husband brings a virus into the house. So, and, and like we have a secondary, we have like backup cameras and from a second system, you know, and we have three dogs that, you know, they'll probably ignore, you know, burglars, but if <laughs> the burglar opened the cheese wrapper, we would know. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, sad but true. So, so let me tell you a little bit about Lauren Leslie. Her family lived in the middle of British Columbia, Canada. Her dad said it was an awesome place to raise a family because of all the natural resources. And they would go hiking and swimming. And we have a coworker who lives in Vancouver and she's always posting pictures of like the scenery out there and like her family on like these little beach hikes and things. And that's kind of the vibe that I was getting as I was doing my research. So Lauren was born with a condition that caused severe vision loss. And she had 50% in one eye gone and 75 in the other. And although she would never have enough vision quality to drive a car, she was an amazing artist. Like she would do these paintings and things and like drawings. They were amazing. And another thing she was able to do was go online because Mm -hmm. she could make the screen bigger and therefore she could, you know, do everything any other kid could do online. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 2015, she was 15. And she was going through something that a lot of other 15-year-olds go through, and that is being bullied by her peers. 
Mm. Now, her younger sister says that while the small town where they lived was friendly, because it was a small town, if you were different, it made you stand out against, quote unquote, the normal people. Mm-hmm. So as a teenager, Lauren got piercings, she dressed in gothic clothing, and she got her family's motto tattooed on the inside of her wrist. And I'm not sure what the motto was. Like, I, for some reason, I did not write that down. I don't know why. But as far as her peers went, she wasn't, quote unquote, normal. She didn't fit the cliques that were in their small town. And she had trouble making honest, like genuine connections with kids her own age who lived locally. Mm-hmm. But once she created a Facebook account, she found new friends and she was online all the time. And her dad said that he assumed she was using Facebook all the time because, you know, he worked a lot. He wasn't home. Her parents were split up. Her mom lived elsewhere. Her, she, met, she primarily lived with her dad. Lawrence Fred said she struggled with her mental health, but that her personality was so large that you would never have known she was struggling unless she came to you and said, hey, look. I'm, I'm, you know, this is what's right, going on. Right. Uh huh. And, you know, I have, I have friends who are the same. I'm in a, a small group of authors and one of them reached, you know, reached out to us recently and said, Hey, look, um, if I disappear, it's because I'm getting treatment. It's not because I'm, you know, yeah. I've gone off that ledge. Right. And, right. Yeah. And like, we never would have known that it got to that point. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you can never tell. Right. And I do see this a lot on social media, especially in gaming communities. A lot of people who hide behind gaming personas and spend hours upon hours in a game is because they're trying to escape something in real life. And a lot of times it is, it's like they're using the gaming community as a way to escape their mental health issues. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Last year, um, almost exactly a year ago, some friends in a gaming community were involved in a murder-suicide that nobody saw coming Wow! so and that you know that's still hard to deal with because we just had the anniversary and people were still talking and so and the the owners of the game have done nothing to be like okay look if you have mental health issues here are some resources like nothing you know yeah but that's a different soapbox for a different episode Mm -hmm. so So, like, unless it's your job to be on social media for a long period of time, using those online methods to escape can be a red flag Mm -hmm. for serious issues like depression, anxiety, because social media, you know, it's not a treatment. It can actually make them worse. So one of the problems Lauren was having was that, you know, she's on Facebook. Everybody else is on Facebook. Everybody knows what you're doing on Facebook. And one of her friends introduced her to another social media um, network called, and I'm pretty sure I have the name right. It's called Nexobia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the tagline is, and it, it's geared towards teens and young adults. And the tagline is, why use Nexopia? Because your mom's on Facebook. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the teenagers on this clandestine social media network wanted freedom, right? Which is not, it's mm-hmm. normal. Teens mm-hmm. want freedom. They yeah. want to they've got these adult hormones kicking in and they want to do what the adults are doing, but they don't have the adult mental capacity to deal with it. And when, when my kids were teenagers, the way we had the best pediatrician ever. And the way she explained it was imagine like your mental 
personality, like your emotions and everything is mm-hmm. one cog and it's running at one speed. And then next to it, it's a, is like the hormonal cog and it's running at another speed. Mm-hmm. And then the other, the third cog is your physical growth and it's going at a, a third speed. And they're never going to line up while they're teenagers because that's what a teenager is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good might, way to put know, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's what it sounds like was happening here. <laughs> What's that, Angie? I said, I'm so glad I don't have teenagers anymore. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry, Alana. <laughs> yeah, my, mine are good. It's all good. Not, okay. So the downside was that there are adults on these on the social media network. Uh, and yeah, and there usually are. Right. But these, because it said, well, your mom's on Facebook, you know, their mom's not on this one. So that's where the, you know, the bad guys are going to go. So mm-hmm. some of these adults would send inappropriate photos to girls like Lauren and her friends. They would ask for photos of the girls in return. And Lauren's friends said this other network was not a safe space. And if she had to go back in time. She never would have introduced Lauren to the site. Yeah. And... You know, Facebook can be pretty toxic. And from everything I've read, this other site makes Facebook look like the Nick Jr. webpage. No. So, yeah. Wow. So, one day, the police call Lauren's dad to ask if she's home. Now, one one article said they called. Another one said they showed up at his house. So, either way, you know, it's like, no, she's staying with her mom. And the police are like, no. So the reports get a little muddy here because I fell down many rabbit holes at like across multiple tabs mm-hmm. in Google Chrome. So, but I'm going to try to keep the facts as chronological as possible. So meanwhile, while they're, you know, while Lauren's dad is freaking out because his daughter, you know, for all accounts he knows is missing mm-hmm. because he's not with him or she's not with him. She's not with her mom. She's not with her friends. Along Highway 16, a police officer was driving down a highway when he noticed a black pickup truck that had joined the highway from a logging road. Now, this was after 9 p.m. So there's, like, no good reason why anyone should have been on a logging road that time mm-hmm. of night. Right. Mm-hmm. At least that's how, that's how the reports made it sound. Like, you know, it's after hours. Yeah, typically you know, they don't property. property. Yeah, typically yeah. they don't load and Why? Load why is it there? Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the cop was suspicious enough to pursue the truck. And after a while, he pulled the driver. He pulled the driver over for speeding. And one article that I read quoted the actual report as, and described the driving as speeding erratically. So, the driver pulls over. The police officer walks up to the truck, and I imagine he's probably shining his flashlight in because it's November. It's like the end of November, and it's mm-hmm. dark for what, like twenty hours out of the day in November. I don't. I don't far know. up in Canada. Like, I don't know. If is Canada, that the dark side? I don't know. If, is, is Canada like that? I thought it was just Alaska. Are they like Alaska or is it just Alaska? It depends on how far north you are. So if you're right by mm-hmm. the U.S. border, it'll be maybe like yeah. about Michigan or, you know, kind of like this that. about like halfway. Yeah. If you're halfway up, then yeah, it'll be pretty similar to what we get, I'm going to guess. So yeah, by November... If it was here, the sun yeah. would be down by like four at the very latest. It would be pitch black by four. Mm. Yeah. So 
So the police officer notices that the driver, a 20 year old named Cody, starts with an L, Legabakov. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I t- we're gonna blame we're gonna blame my husband giving me a cold. That'll work. So uh, he had blood he had blood on his cheek and on his shorts. And Cody tells the officer that he and a friend were poaching deer. And the police, you know, they're they're holding him there. They're asking the questions, and they find a bloodstained pipe wrench and a knife. Now, Cody had a minor criminal record at this point, but nothing that would put him on the police's radar. Mm-hmm. And so the, the officer could have taken him in right then for poaching. But he's like, you know what? Some had like, you know, his hackles were up. And it's like, there, there's something here. So he decides to, do, to investigate a little deeper. And he sees tracks leading toward a creek. So he calls for backup because nobody's convinced by Cody's story. Oh. So they go looking for the alleged deer. So it's night, it starts snowing, the snow is deeper, and the officer who was investigating had an unreliable flashlight. He just wants to find the deer and get out of there. Okay. So finally, he sees something on the ground, and right before his light goes out, he realizes it's not a deer, it's a young woman. It's obvious that she was assaulted before she was killed. Mm. And so the officer goes back to Cody's vehicle. And they have found a monkey-shaped backpack with Lauren's ID and phone inside. And that was when the police called Lauren's desk. The police already knew, but they didn't, they couldn't confirm it was her. They mm-hmm. just knew that she, oh, okay. that, you know, she wasn't mm-hmm. all the places she should have been. Right. And this is how Lauren's dad found out about Highway 16. And another thing about the section of highway, the girls who are too young to drive, they will hitchhike to go from place to place. And this highway is like the main highway that connects all the towns in the area so they would hitchhike to go from place to place some of these women have drug habits they turn to prostitution and they will go hook along the highway and it's just regardless of why women are you know walking down the highway your chances of it ending badly are better than it like staying safe Mm -hmm. so Lauren's dad said when he got to the scene the cops would only tell him that they were investigating a homicide so apparently they didn't tell him at first that it was Lauren. Yeah. They read Cody's rights. They asked him if he wanted to call a lawyer. And Cody just saying, kept saying, no, I'm going to call my dad. Now, Cody was like 20. Mm-hmm. So he's a grown adult. And nothing about him raised any red flags before this. He had a normal life. He had a normal upbringing. He played hockey. He did not have any inclinations towards violence mm-hmm. that anyone knew of. He lived in the same small town where he grew up. He was engaged to his girlfriend. They were planning on getting married and starting a family. Uh-huh. Now, Lauren's grandmother says, if you looked at Cody and you didn't know him, she says, if you didn't know, then you wouldn't know. She said she and Cody's grandfather were raised in the same area of Canada where they all lived. And she said Cody was well known. And when he insisted he didn't do it, there were people who believed him, like without question. Right. They were like, Cody, if you said you didn't do it, you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. and Cody says he just happened first he says he happened to walk up on a body and he had nothing to do with it and he got scared and that's it but then the story came out that Lauren and Cody met online and Lauren's friend who introduced her to this other social media network you know that's you know she told him that Lauren was here and when the police went through their conversations they found out that Cody did initiate the conversations. 
Mm-hmm. And he was asking Lauren adult nature questions. Yeah. Like he's 20, she's 15. Like, you know, guys, mm-hmm. if she's not 18, back off. Like, you know, it seems like it would be common sense. So Cody was pretty popular online. And to find Cody's messages with Lauren, how many pages of text messages do you like print it out? Do you think they had to go through? Um, how many, Angie? I'm going to guess it's in the thousands. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, Angie? I would say at least a thousand or two. 27,000 pages. Oh, oh man. Um, can I interject for one real quick? Yeah. Time? So I reached out to our Canadian co-workers <laughs> yeah they said that no it is just normal sun up sundown okay Vancouver's close to Seattle so it's like the west coast of mm-hmm. the United States yeah that makes sense okay. I just that's cool wanted yeah I, it was just I wanted to know okay yeah. that is good to know mm-hmm. so so before the murder happened the same day Cody met with Lauren at her school they went for a drive. He said they ended up having consensual sex and she beat herself in the head with the wrench afterward and he had to kill her to get her to stop. He said that stabbing her was a mercy killing to end her struggles with mental illness. Yuck. Right? So DNA proved the blood on Cody's shorts was Lauren's. It also proved that some of the blood was not Lauren's. So whose blood was that? Mm-hmm. This was the detail that gave police reason to search Cody's apartment. So on the Cinemaholic website, which I've referenced before in the, mm-hmm. you know, here, they have a summary of the ID channel's episode of the web, web of lies that covered this. Mm-hmm. And their summary states, the search of Cody's apartment covered even uncovered, even more disturbing information. Forensic evidence connected Cody to two murders and a missing person case that took place between 2009 and 2010. And it was DNA that connected Cody to these cases. Mm -hmm. Three other women who had all worked in the sex trade industry were the victims. Two of the bodies were found badly battered. The third has never been found. But the officials found DNA evidence at Cody's apartment that was identified as coming from the two women whose bodies they did find. While the other one has not been found, her DNA was collected from things at Cody's house. So, yeah, one report said Cody had a cocaine habit and he would use these women to get cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really matter why he did it. He just started out by killing women who were hitchhiking on Highway 16. Wow. And then he moved to the internet to find his other victims. Mm-hmm. So when Cody stood trial, his defense was that he was passing murder weapons to the killers, but he wasn't the person who killed them. He would not reveal who murdered the woman because he didn't want to be known as a rat among his fellow inmates when he went to jail. He alleged that a drug dealer and two accomplices who he would only call X, Y, and Z were the actual murderers. Uh Uh-huh. So because of the DNA, he was charged with four counts of first-degree murder. Uh He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole after 25 years. His sentences were to be served concurrently for each of the murders. And at the time, his plea to admit guilty to second degree murder was rejected because he was like, no, no, it's second degree murder because all I do is pass the weapons. But because he right. didn't name the killers, you're like, done. So, so is the consensus that he's 
actually telling the truth and there were other people involved or is the consensus he was just trying to get out of trouble or do we not know we don't really know okay but it seems everything i read leaned toward this is his way of just trying to stay out of trouble yeah that's what i would have thought yeah that that seems to match (laughs) yeah so Cody is one of Canada's youngest serial killers ever. And he's currently serving out his sentence at a medium security prison in Ontario. So, so Lana won't hate me. I have to do a positive spin now. Okay, Okay. please. So, (laughs) Lauren's friend said that Lauren is a hero because her death is the one that stopped Cody from killing future women. Because there was no way Cody was ever going to stop if he hadn't been caught after killing Lauren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I now keep in mind, yeah, right. So, Lauren had friends all around the world, and there's a whole community of people who loved her for being herself. Many of them have posted on social media in memory of Lauren and support of her family. Lauren's dad said he knew his daughter before, but since her death and reading the messages coming in all over, Aww. all over the, you know. Yeah. social media from friends around the world mm-hmm. that helped him get to know Lauren in a way he might not have known her if she had lived and he said that's the positive message he's taken away from this yeah now I did do some snooping online because I would not be barista Becky if I did not <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so Lauren's family has set up a foundation it's called the Lauren Don Wesley Foundation uh-huh. And its purpose is to spread the word about Lauren and to be aware of those around us and treat others with dignity, compassion, and respect. And apparently they do like an annual walk, like I guess to raise, I don't know, just to help, you know, spread positivity and Lauren's mm-hmm. name. Okay. Which I think is pretty awesome. But is. her dad on his Facebook page, he still talks to her in the first person on his Facebook oh, that's page. That's hard. are like, yeah. And like other people post, like someone else had a family member die and they're like, Lauren, he, you know, he'll, he, you should be there with him or he should be there with you now. Please give him a hug from all of us. Tell him we miss him. And it's just, that's sad. Don't do any of that. But, but the positive is that her, you know, they have created the foundation and that her death was not totally in vain, that that something positive has come from it. So good. Even though the best part would be having Lauren still here, Mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I like when families of victims can find some kind of meaning behind it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's either that or you just get so bitter or Mm -hmm. so, you know, you just kind of break. So I I like that they were able to put that kind of spin. I mean, obviously it would have been better if, (laughs) if, you know, he hadn't needed to be stopped, but I mean, yeah, you're right. This is, this was a young, how old did you say he was? I mean, he was young ish. He was 20. She was 15. Okay. So he would have just kept going, you know, perhaps for decades. So yeah, because he was like two years into this. This was, you know, yeah, four women, two years. Yeah. He was there was no way he was and it would have just escalated. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. And I wanted to do, cover this case today because we have summer vacation coming up, all these kids out of school, they're gonna be on their mm-hmm. on all their devices. And yeah. so yeah, so parents just you know, follow your kids into the <laughs> you know, keep an eye on, see what they're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, I just feel like it probably gets harder and harder keeping your kids safe. 
Oh, yeah. You know, because even now, like when the kids were elementary age, they weren't really doing a ton on devices. Like maybe we mm-hmm. would, you know, have Netflix on the iPad or, you know, some of their little like homeschool learning games. But it wasn't like now where, you know, they've all got phones. And yeah. so I just I feel like it just gets more and more difficult to yeah. keep track of what they're doing. And it does. So um, Depending on your child's age, utilize the parental controls. Yes. yes. If, if, your child is on, if your child's phone is on your account, you and you're the owner of the account, you can control that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what was after Game Boy? Was it like the game pad or something? I don't know. That was probably like was something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was I wasn't yeah, a like, mom yet, but I was too old to be playing with it. So like I missed that. Yeah, so in tech. <laughs> when the boys were like, you know, third, fourth grade, something, we got them those. Uh-huh. And then just like last year, they're like, mom, you know those had internet, right? And I'm like, no. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm pretty tech savvy. I mean, we all are, we do it for work, but even now I feel like a dinosaur talking Mm -hmm. to my kids about certain things Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah yeah oh i can't tell you how many times i'm like boys come here show me how to do this because i I taught you how to use a spoon i know i had to stop myself from like asking them how to do something really simple i didn't know how to just post an emoji reaction on discord on mobile like i know Mm -hmm. how to do it on desktop and i was about to ask my kid i'm like no that'd just be too embarrassing (laughs) So somebody's, it was probably one of you two, somebody's post went without a little smiley emoji, but it, it was heartfelt. I was just too embarrassed to ask my kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Been there. Totally been there. Yeah. 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 Well, so, no, I think that that's a great reminder going into summer. You know, speaking of, let's just go ahead and say like, hi guys, we're back. I know it's been a few weeks. We're, uh, we're meeting together when we can, but yeah. yeah, if we slow down, like we did, it's because we're all busy with life, but we're happy to be here. Yeah. We're here and we're happy to have you all listening. Yes. Yeah. And and back. <laughs> yes. Yes. And thank you. Uh, thanks to everyone who's still following along because it means a lot to us to have you guys with us as we discuss true crime over coffee and yeah until next time stay caffeinated have a beautiful day enjoy this next time for another cup of crime